Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Trillionaire! <laughs> An audio journal where I share my personal ideals and how to change the world for the better through magical technology, radically ambitious empathy, and egoistic altruism. On this episode, I'm going to continue our uh, series on the reality of poverty and how to solve poverty. And this part two. Even though I can go on and on about what it really feels like being poor and impoverished and why it is extremely difficult and frankly irresponsible, you know, to put people to not change the environment in which, you know, establishes an environment and establishes poverty and all that. <laughs> I can go on and on into that stuff, but I really do like to talk about like to talk, like to talk about solutions over complaints and problems. And um, I think this is very important right now after we got our uh, that fresh fresh off the press talk about coronavirus being a, a uh, mentioned as a uh, pandemic. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of problems. I guess, I guess it is a, pr- a little bit appropriate, you know, to speak a little bit more about not just what coron- the, the threat of the coronavirus, but how that really impacts people that's on the bottom of this uh, unfortunate pyramid that we have in America and in many places of the world. People, working class citizens, um, are adversely, are way more um, affected by the coronavirus than just the risk to the public health. You know, uh, there's a lot of people, you know, and, and there are white collar jobs who are like, oh, we got to re- work, work remote now, work from home, you know. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of stories of that, a lot of stories of uh, this company or that company struggling to work from home and all this stuff. But there's not a lot talking about all the people who are going to be stuck and just, you know, out of luck. SOL. Simply for the matter of that they can't work at home. You know, they're in retail jobs, they're in factory jobs, they're in, you know, on demand delivery services and all this other stuff. You know, you can't just work from home. You literally have to go out there in the middle of everything and uh, keep working. And if there's some type of community uh, shutdown or something like that where they don't want people going out, then not only can you not work now if your company shuts down or if you're, you know, you're a small business owner, you got to you got to struggle with now not having any customers coming in or very small amount of customers. And now you're stuck not only, you know, battling, not only risking getting the virus, if you, you know, but also you're messed up because your entire business or your or your paycheck is now in in a, at risk of being gone as well. So there needs to be more talk about you know, the struggle of the actual working class. And it needs to be talk about what we should be doing to make change, to make positive change, to make sure this doesn't happen again and to and to help people, you know, now. There's a lot of really cool um, stories as well. Like on Twitter, I saw the other day, this dude was like, you know, fuck the coronavirus. I'm going to pay, <laughs> you know, if you have a, a important bill coming up, and you know you can't pay it because you're you're getting laid off or or you or, or you have to you can't work or something like that. You know, hit me up. I I help you out with that. And 
And that entire thread, there's like probably hundreds, if not thousands. The, the tweet itself got hundreds of thousands of, you know, retweets and stuff like that. It's just pretty amazing. And um, a lot of it was positive. And not only was it that dude helping out, but a lot of people was also chipping in. It was like, hey, I help out too. Hey, I help out too, you know. And we need more things like this. So here, here are some solutions I think we should consider um, and really try to build out in the next few months to years to not just combat coronavirus or economic shutdowns or anything like that, but simply to build a more robust system that actually creates a healthy middle class, right? So here, here are some of those ideas. My first one is a, uh, what I call an accessible marketplace. So this is one of my um, favorites, I want to say. It's, it's the core of what I want Flubby to be. You know, um, a system where people can create things online, virtual rooms, virtual items, you know, whatever, and they can sell it to other people for real money. Or even if it's just credit or something like that, it can be directly translated into real money. So if it's cryptocurrency, it'd be pretty easy to, you know, um, transfer if it's actual, you know, valid cryptocurrency. But even if it's like some type of store credit, some type of you know, um, just, you know, some type of fiat currency on the marketplace, if it can be traded in for store credit or for, you know, um, bill credit or whatever, you know, that can still be very valuable. And marketplaces have really changed and empowered a lot of people. You know, the Internet has created tons of millionaires and billionaires because it's basically like a marketplace. You know, you go online, you can create something with code or with um, writing or with even podcasts nowadays um, or with videos on YouTube and stuff like that. You create something and you can sell it to people. You know, unfortunately, a lot of that has taken place in the form of ads. <laughs> you sell to businesses, put your ads on there and all that stuff. But there's still a, a very large portion of people who sell direct to consumers via something like a Patreon model where, you know, people pay for... Uh, your creations every time you create something or every month or something like that you know they pay you on a regular basis and you create things you know that's essentially a marketplace goods and, and goods and services sold and bought and so we need to create more of these marketplaces and we need to make them more accessible the problem with the ones that we have today is that it extremely it is extremely inaccessible for the vast majority of people right don't get me wrong YouTube and Facebook and or just social media in general has kind of even that playing field a little bit more so anybody can make a video anybody can you know um, just put their stuff out there however because those marketplaces are inherently created to well first of all they weren't created as marketplaces the intent for those places was not to create a marketplace. The intent for YouTube, for Facebook, and for most social media formats was simply to put things online, right? Facebook, it was to connect um, college students, and specifically in Harvard. And then it just ballooned from there. It just kept going up and up and up. But there is no actual intent to create a marketplace where people can come in, you know, put their stuff online, get money, right? There is no, there was no intent for that. And that is important because... If you do not have the intent when you first create something, 
it is extremely hard to create the infrastructure that you will need to make sure it is as accessible as you want it to be later on. So a good example of this is YouTube. The original idea for YouTube, if I remember correctly, was basically just, you know, just messing around to see if they can post uh, videos of, them of themselves online. You know, it's kind of like streaming, kind of like the early days of streaming where they were just kind of live streaming themselves and just putting funny stuff online, right? And eventually they found out that people like this stuff. And they eventually found out that you can make money by selling ads, um, sponsorships, and all these other things. But as in sponsorships, that depends on somebody else, on some middle middle uh, ground, some middle person coming in there and like, you know, um, or really a third party um, saying, hey, I, I, I find value not necessarily in your content, but in the people that watch your content. <laughs> you know, it's kind of an indirect uh, value exchange going on there. You have a third party coming in, um, not because they find value in that content, not because they, they want your video, but because you have millions of people watching your video. And those millions of people, out of those millions of people, some of them might buy the third party's products. You see how indirect this system is? This is not a very efficient system uh, for making money on any side. <laughs> on the third party side, on the content creator side, or even on the audience side. You know, if they, in terms of their, the value they're getting. So, what I want to create is a, a, a marketplace specifically built to allow people to create things and then sell them directly to consumers. And those consumers can use the uh, products that they consume or that they buy and remix them and resell them. You know, you can have this kind of infinite flywheel of, of producers and consumers contributing to the market. And... Um, yeah, I can go on and on about this, but just just sit on that a little bit. Think about the different ways you can do that, different ways you can build on that. All right, because I got a got a lot to cover and only a <laughs> small amount of time, unfortunately. Um, the next idea I want to talk about is the idea of social communities. So once again, the the social media uh, channels that we have today were not built with the intent of actually connecting people on the massive scale or even on a micro scale, right? Um, even with, face, uh, with Facebook, when he was trying to connect Harvard students together, it wasn't really directly connecting people together, more so as a message board or, or a way to find other people that are in you know, your community. Um, and it kind of ballooned away, further and further away from the idea of just directly connecting people. It became, you know, things... Uh, ways for people to just keep generally keep track of what's going on with the people around them but it's not a system in which establishes or or strengthens the bonds between two people or three people or four people right it is not any there's not one social media out there that i know of at least not one popular one that actually okay yeah there are ones that are not as popular yet like uh I forgot what it's called. Um, Sorry, it looks like the station 12 Thanks, Google. Right <laughs> yeah, but there, there is not one popular one, at least, that is actually made to strengthen the bonds between people, right? And so I want to create a, com uh, a type of social community. I guess you can call it a social media <laughs> that um, 
looks at the relationships that you have or don't have and encourages or empowers you to connect with other people and to connect more with the people that you do have, that you do know. So if you have three friends, right, um, this community, this, this online community, this virtual system is able to understand that, okay, you have three people in your group. Um, how often do you talk to each other? How often do you ask each other about how you're feeling, about what you're doing, about how you can help? You know, how often do you have meaningful conversations? How often do you contribute to each other's goals? You know, it can it can look at whatever are the standards for, you know, really creating powerful relationships and give you positive nudges in, in, in the direction of how to be, build good habits to strengthen those relationships, to network or whatever you want to do. It can show you how to do these things. And if you want to grow your group, it can then connect you with other people who, who, who will not just contribute to your echo chamber, but who will um, essentially, you know, expose you to a more diverse range of thought. So it can understand, hey, these people think this sort of way, you know, they have these sorts of opinions. But you also might be able to connect with somebody that thinks this way, that has this set of opinions. You know, and this is how you connect with them. This is how you, you know, this is an icebreaker you can use. This is a, 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 a way you can um, reach out to them, right? And, yeah, just, again, I can go on about this, but just think about that. <laughs> and uh, before I go on, these two ways are, are incredibly important ways, methods of, of solving poverty, because they empower the, 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 uh, the individual, as well as a community. You know, we are communal creatures as much as we are individual ones. Maybe even, I, 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 there's a lot of arguments, and I'd argue so as well, that we are far more community-driven and, you know, kind of social creatures than we are individual creatures. And so a marketplace and a, and a social community are, you know, social items. <laughs> like, uh, it, it, it encourages people to come together more and it, it encourages, uh, it strengthens bonds in a community, in a nation, in a group of people. So, uh, once again, to re recap, because I might not even have time to go to the next two um, ideas that I had, that will work. <laughs> but um, to recap, so Marketplace helps to solve poverty because it creates a way for people to make money um, on their own without having to depend on a, a stakeholder, you know, without having to depend, to depend on an employer, right? And, uh, of course, there are things you have to consider, like, you know, how do you get benefits? How do you get things like, you know, um, health care? How do you get, you know, all these, all these things? I think that can be solved, too. If you have a big enough marketplace, you can even have, uh, take a cut of, you know, people's, people's, uh, the items that they sell and use that cut to supply, you know, things like healthcare and stuff like that for all the contributors of the marketplace. You know, this is something I want to pursue more and it's kind of a novel idea, but I think I've heard of somebody doing somewhat similar things for gig economy workers. So I want to, you know, see how far we can take something like that. Um, and the other thing about social communities that solves poverty because it the one of the biggest uh, 
problems of homeless people of, of homelessness is the fact that people don't have connections. They like they don't have anybody looking out for them. Like if something bad happens to them, they get you know some medical problem. They're stuck in the hospital, whatever. You know, uh, maybe they did have insurance, but it ran out, or you know, it was from their employer. The employer fired them, or laid them off, or couldn't you know keep keep uh, paying for their health insurance, and they ended up you know going being stuck with, with no money in the hospital, have all these uh, problems. Um, they have no support system, so they, they, they don't have anybody to help them out, you know, to, to, to cover the cost. Um, this happens to a lot of people, like even my own family. Like if we, when we got evicted, um, and again, I've talked about this a lot, um, it wasn't even like a matter of not paying, <laughs> it's a matter of, there, there were, anyways, I talked about that before, look at my book or whatever, um, but if we didn't have a support system, people to, you know, um, to help us out at the time, then we would have been, you know, on the street too, <laughs> that close, you know, and the only, only thing that helped is the fact that we had family, we had, um, people who we could, who could stay with, or we could, you know, chill with or whatever, um, but unfortunately, there's a lot of people who don't have a support system, and that is extremely uh, dangerous. We are social creatures. <laughs> we don't have that support system. Not only is it harmful for us financially, um, not only is it uh, is it bad because we can't, you know, uh, call out for help when we need financial help or anything like that. But it's also bad for for us mentally. You know, it's a major loneliness is a major cause of depression, of anxiety of probably a number of other health issues as well. And a lot of homeless people, they end up getting, or maybe even had before, a lot of health issues. And so they end up, you know, using um, or getting addicted to different um, narcotics and all this other stuff. And it just just propels their problem, you know? So um, we definitely need to build a, a, a stronger community system that that just supports people. And I, I believe we could do all of this in a free market system. The problem is not necessarily capitalism itself. The problem is a lack of empathy with our current systems, a lack of um, just forthrightness, you know? So we need to do more of that. And I guess it's time up, gotta go. So yeah, uh, definitely gonna continue this soon. So yeah, but for now, bye-bye. Alright, looks like I have some more time. Yay! So, uh, another idea I wanted to talk about is the abundance in resources. We need to focus more on how to offer, um, or how to make sure that we foster uh, a society where we have an abundance of resources. And the good resources, like the, the, the ones that actually help society, not just a bunch of random things and, and stuff. <laughs> not just random material, but, you know actual food, you know, healthy food. We need to make sure we have more healthy food in environments that are accessible to people. Um, one of those ways of, of, of encouraging more healthy food is to encourage more local produce, encourage more stuff like vertical farming or urban farming, stuff like that, where um, you have, you can just enable a lot of people to be able to grow their own stuff. 
um, have local farms and everything like that. And if if you want to ensure that we have more than enough food for everybody, then we need to ensure that we have more people that are able to grow their own food. You know, we kind of have a lost art of being able to of agriculture and being able to grow your own stuff. So we need to encourage more of that in our societies, in our modern day societies, not just relegate that to farms or, or, or large um, plantations or agricultural, you know, um, plants or anything like that. You need to have more people able to produce these things. Uh, I think the same thing goes for uh, products like, like, like uh, clothes, you know, not just high fashion, but in terms of uh, making sure everybody has, uh, you know, clothes for winter, appropriate clothes for summer, things like this. You know, I've talked to um, this, this one guy, Quentin. Um, he's had to, you know, deal with that that uh, homelessness, you know, living on the street. Um, I tried to help him out as much as I could, but uh, this just wasn't much I can do. Like, he reached out to these homeless shelters and everything like that, but they turned him away because he's a guy and they, they usually cater to women and kids. And, and um, you know, he's had, he has medical issues. Like, he's a veteran, <laughs> medical issues, so he can't really, you know, uh, keep a job or couldn't even really get a job because <laughs> his, his uh, quite frankly, his attire, you know, he, he wears, you know, clothes that he's been living on the street with. So it's hard for him to stay clean, hard for him to stay um, just presentable, you know, and, uh, occasionally he might have somebody help him out and get him some socks and, or something like that. Um, I remember one time I gave him a hundred dollars to, so he can help stay, so he can stay in this, uh, you know, in a, in a what do you call those? In those end suites or whatever. Um, it's a, it's like a, just a cheap, you know, the, the, one of the cheapest places you can find, but, you know, it was a lot, a lot of him to stay in there for a couple, a couple of days. Um, but I'm worried, like I haven't seen him in a while and, um, I don't know what he was able to do, you know, and like over the winter, <laughs> it was extremely cold, like it's 20 degrees out there and he's, he may have had to sleep outside in the winter with like messed up clothes and stuff like that. And, you know, we always talk about how we have an abundance of materials and, and, and clothes and all these other items in our society, and yet we have people literally on the streets who don't have, you know, the appropriate attire. You know, you're telling me we can't we can't give these people, you know, proper coats and shoes and stuff like that to wear? You're telling me we can't give them tents? We can't set up, you know, uh, some type of bedding? Not not to mention... and, and uh, sanitation as well like you're telling me we can't have public bathrooms we we don't know how to build some good bathrooms other than some these worthless outhouses like you're telling me <laughs> it's oh, don't get me into that <laughs> get me my get myself into that um but basically we need to have more abundant resources we have the ability to create them you know so it, it's a matter of localizing them we we are too busy outsourcing things to try to um, reduce costs. Well, what that does is is it it uh, shoots us in the foot. You know, it's a short term gain for a long term loss. We end up outsourcing all, a lot of the factories and all this other work. You know, but then the people who actually need that 
low skill work so so they can actually get a foothold you know in the job marketplace they have nowhere to start you know and um because we don't ourselves source those factories because we don't ourselves you know house those factories we can't really say oh we have an, uh, uh, some extra materials to give out you know to for free you know there's always extra stuff in factories but they're not here they're not in America anymore most of them aren't really in America so we can't really just give them out <laughs> and so and and the waste that we do have we don't even treat it right we don't even we have a terrible recycling system, you know. Um, just the other day, I heard about this this company called Rothy's that recycles plastic bottles and turns turns them into really high durable, high you know high fashion shoes. You telling me we can't do more of that? You know, all this trash we have, just putting them in landfills, and we <laughs> that's literally throwing away money. We're over here talking about reducing costs, but we're not taking the abundant resources that we already have, the abundant materials and and uh, and sources of, of things that we already have and and recycling that pushing it back into the system you know how much money we can save and how much money we can make if we take the waste from our own products and then resell it <laughs> oh gosh man but yeah we definitely need to focus uh, more on that and then the fourth thing and the last thing for now is uh more open housing and construction the amount of Per- permits and zoning and all this crap that goes into telling people what they can and can't build is so disgusting. <laughs> like maybe it stemmed from a good place in the past where you know you had these factories polluting up the environment and all this other stuff. But now all all it most of it only really comes down to NIMBYs, like not in my backyard type of people who are like. Eh, you know, we we, <laughs> we don't want mass transit in our system. We don't want, you know, um, high rises in our neighborhood. We don't want, you know, this type of thing, thing here or that type of thing here. You know, and all it does is artificially, you know, raises rents in that in that community. Artificially raises rent in the entire city, really, really. And um, when people can't build new housing... What you think happens when when people are out there trying to find housing when they get evicted they need you know something more affordable they say oh you shouldn't have you know bought such an expensive house literally all the houses are expensive <laughs> you know what do you do if you don't have affordable housing because people don't build them because people don't even get to build houses that are not just not they're not even built for affordable housing per se but are simply built to be durable, simply built to be, you know, accessible. Whenever we, we, we throw the name of affordable housing, it's usually like projects or something. Some dump somebody builds out to make some quick bucks, you know, get some government funding and put some poor people in there. We need to enable people to be able to build their own houses. Like how many people have actually built their own house, you know? Um, we say we're at the age of technology nowadays, but where is the technology that allows us to design our, 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 our home on a website or whatever and then gather the resources, the materials, and the uh, construction uh, workers or robots that we need to actually build it on our own land or just in a, in a public, publicly owned land or anything like that. We can 
have a have a area where we allow people to just build their own places. You know, we can create robots or create some type of um, at least semi-autonomous system that is uh, like a like the like the three D printing houses or even something like Blockable, where they where they build houses in a factory in a, in a warehouse or they build the different pieces of um, the places in the warehouse and then go out and put it in the, the, the place. So you don't have to build all your things in the same um, place. I, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> explaining that well, but essentially the problem with housing is, is, is this. Putting aside the atrocious zoning and, and permits and all that stuff, just the... Just the, what do you call it, the uh, process of building a house is extremely antiquated, right? So if you want to build anything right now, you, ba you basically have to collect all the resources, all the construction work, all the people, all the tools that you're going to use, put them on site, and then put it together on site. And so... There are a number of people working, looking on this construction site that are using a bunch of papers and and <laughs> and um, uh, designs that they wrote down, you know, are, and are trying to build in a real life environment where they when they never actually you know um, simulated this before when they never where where they aren't when they aren't able to course correct when when something shifts in the ground or you know there's some other environmental. Uh, effects or anything like that you know so the cost of construction is, is very high in a lot of places because you know the, the the manner in which we construct things is very antiquated it's very dumb <laughs> um so luckily there are a lot of a lot of startups and companies out now that's kind of innovating and, and really restructuring how we construct things but one thing that i would really love to see and i think will really help is if you allow like the average person to be able to aid in the construction of their own homes, whether that be an apartment building where people are, you know, helping out to build that apartment that they're going to live in or, you know, their own house. Maybe they buy a land, they buy some land or it's on, on the land of somebody that they know and they can design it, design what they want on a computer or something like that. You have a robot or, or some sensors come out and, and show you, you know, how. It's going to be constructed. You create some pieces in a factory or something like that, kind of like Lego blocks, and then put them together on site. Um, just this manner of, of a more accessible housing process will enable more people to have more ownership over you know where they live and what it looks like and and how they they could partake in it. You know, <sighs> but yeah, there's so much. Um, that we really need to do and can do. I think it's a matter of empowering each other to do it. So once again, to recap one more time, four really powerful ways I think there are that we can solve poverty is uh, having accessible marketplaces where people can easily create something and then sell it directly to the people who, who want that thing. Um, social communities which is a way, uh, an um, easy way for you to connect with people who are different than you and to strengthen the bonds between relationships. And then um, abundance and resources, 
So meaning we need to enable more recycling. We need to have uh, a better view of where our, our resources are going and who has access to them at any time and make sure the, the people who need access has that access to those resources. Because not only does a, a scarcity mindset, you know, um, makes people more selfish and more, um, quite frankly, just less likely to help each other out. Um, and abundant mentality allows people to, to just be more of a community together. And lastly, open housing and construction, we need to innovate a lot more on, on our construction methods and ensure people can have more ownership of the things they build in their communities and their um, environments. Not just from the not not from the perspective of oh I don't want this in my in my neighborhood. No. We need people who can actually build things in their neighborhood. Worry less about what people are saying they want or don't want and what people are willing to do to create what they want. So yeah. Thanks. Bye-bye.